Well, God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I made a great effort to be here. I'm coming from Staten Island last night when it was snowing, I had to clean my car. And then early this morning, it was packed again with snow, clean it up again. And uh, I knew that God wanted me here because I started getting these earaches. My ear was hurting last night, and I was coughing. And, uh, and I said, man, let me, let me pray for myself. So I stuck my two fingers in my ear, and it got worse. <laughs> I, I'm here to tell you that this is a challenge from God, that when God heals you, you know, you may think, oh, well, he didn't heal me because I still got the pain. You follow what I'm saying? I remember I had, I had really bad uh, uh, problems on my back. I had fallen many times, car accidents, seven car accidents. And so I had herniated discs. You name it, I had them all. I had to, I had to sit down uh, on the floor to put my pants down, pants on. And so uh, one day, my brother was preaching. And my brother's an evangelist. He's pastoring now in New Jersey. And he said, uh, if you need healing, come on up. And I went up, and I got worse. And I thought, well, what? What, in the, what in the world's going on? So the pastor said they had a meeting. It was a meeting out in the streets. pastor said, who, I need some help to bring this stuff inside. Who wants to volunteer? And I said, I volunteer. And I said, Lord, I'm going to believe you. Amen. And I haven't been the same. I play handball in the park. I'm, I'm you know, I'm. I'm kind of come out of the hood, you know. I love playing handball, and and one of my one of my one of my pulpits is in the park, and some of these guys are smoking there and uh, profanity and and uh, I, when I when I put a stop to it, they, I shake them up. I say, "Hold it, wait a minute! You can't be smoking around here. You understand? If the cops come here, I don't want to be caught up with you. You know, I don't don't you know? They they're just shocked." That, you know, when you confront someone, and I'm, I'm very confrontational when I want to be. But, you know, I, I was listening to the song here, the Spanish song, and I attended church in Staten Island. That's where I come from now, and I've been there for 20 years. And the church that I attend is called Calvary. And the pastor, the senior pastor, is Lester Figueroa. Lester Figueroa happens to be a high-level lawyer from Wall Street, makes big money, and uh, they have four services in our church. They have the English service, then they have the bilingual service, and then they have the Spanish service, and then they have the Chinese service, and then they have the Filipino service. So, I mean, I, I attend the bilingual one. And the reason for that is because I really feel, I really sense that God is calling me out to minister to Spanish people. My, my Spanish has improved. I don't listen to English uh, gospel. I, I listen strictly to Spanish. And uh, I've been to several Latin American countries. been to Nicaragua. I've been to Dominican Republic. I remember preaching in the Dominican Republic in a church up in the hilltop. And the lights go off, and it gets pitch dark. And uh, this brother says, keep preaching. Keep preaching like nothing happened. And I, I kept preaching, and then the lights went back on. <laughs> That's how it is over there. 
You know, my wife was unable to come because we went out to, uh, to Texas about close to a month ago, three weeks ago. And uh, on, the way, uh, on the way back, uh, I can see that something was wrong with her. She was sleeping. My wife doesn't sleep on a plane. The way she figures it, figured this thing out is that I got these people in here in this plane. They're trapped here, so I'm going to witness to them. And so she starts. I know how she starts this. Yeah, I've learned from her. She goes down the aisle, and if she sees little beautiful kids, and she starts, oh, how beautiful your kid is, and she starts a conversation with people. And I've seen her. I've seen the person sitting right next to us receive Christ. And so when she fell asleep for four hours, I thought, there's something wrong here, you know. And then I looked over. The person that was sitting uh, by the window was awfully sick, a young lady. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and when we got back home, my wife, the minute we get back home, this is what she says to me. Now, unpack the stuff and put it away. That's what she says to me. So I have to, you know, she's the boss at home, so I got to grab all the stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This time, she didn't unpack. She didn't. I did it automatically because I, I didn't want her on my tail. So she went to bed. And there was something wrong there. She doesn't do that. And then for a few days, she started getting fever, coughing. And then my son came and gave her an IV. My son is into the medical field. Gave her an IV. And uh, then she kept going. Took her to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, continue to give her fluids. And she got worse and worse and worse. And so finally, we take her to the hospital. And they have determined that she was struggling with pneumonia, double pneumonia. That she started out with the flu and ended up with double pneumonia. And so we're praying for her recovery. And we believe in God and uh, she started getting better and she was sent home. So she's home, but she's in recovery. And so this morning I was saying, God, I don't understand this. Maybe you can enlighten me on this. I pray for her. I believe that you, you healed her. And so I don't understand, because I want her to come here with us. Because in 39 years of preaching, she's been, this is the third time that she's been absent, you see. And so I heard the Holy Spirit say, I've already healed her. She's just going through a process, you see. Because your body, your body is what gets sick, but your spirit gives life to you. You see, when I go to sleep at night, I understand that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. That the, that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And so what I do is, I was sharing with one of the brothers today, I lay hands on myself. I lay, if I'm struggling with something, I lay hands on my head. I lay, I, ha I lay hands on my eyes, my, my mouth, my nose, my ears. I lay hands on my, my, my lungs, my heart, my kidneys, and I go all the way down to my toes. I've learned that because the temple, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? And the very nature of God lives within you, the very power of God, you see. And so you have to exercise that faith and believe that God is going to heal you. So we're here. I'm here because he did heal me. You see, I got up this morning. I did what I had to do. I exercised, you know, I have exercise machines downstairs in my basement. I did that, you see, trying to get in shape, you know, and go to the YMCA. And I'm, I'm in tremendous health. And I wanted to be here. 
And I love your pastor. Your pastor is tremendous. He talks about us being teachers and stuff like that. But when he was a student, he challenged me. I had to do my best. I had to go home and study because I knew that I had a student there that was no game, that this, this was serious business, you see. Just by the papers I asked him to write, I read them and I say, this man, you know, he's on a high level here, you see. So I better, I better be in, in tune. So my, my wife, as I shared with you her testimony the last time, I don't know if I shared with you, that we were involved in car accident. Now, some kids were going 70 miles an hour, clocked by the police, and we were going about 45, 50 miles an hour, and at, at, they jumped the divide and hit us head on. And my wife expired immediately. You see, my face was destroyed on my left side. And, and I thought I lost my eye. I came out of the car, and I thought, well, I lost this eye, but I'm, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We had photos of that at home. It came out in the newspaper with the firemen pulling out a Bible because we were coming from Bible study. And so I didn't understand this whole scenario. Why did this have to happen to us at this time? We weren't sinning. We weren't out there messing up, you see. But... The kids that, that, that caused this accident, uh, while we were in the hospital, they revived my wife back, but she was in a coma because she had brain damage. And, and so they, they, they brought her back to life, but she was in a coma for, for a period of time. So I met the young man that committed this act, and I can see him at the x-ray room, and he was depressed. And so I, I thought, you know, maybe, you know, you know, God can, I mean, whatever the enemy means for evil, God can turn it around. And what is the purpose of God? What's going on here with this young man? It's a white kid, well-to-do family from New Jersey. And so I thought, you know what? I got to minister to this kid. So he, you know, I came over to him, and he was like apprehensive. He thought I was going to knock him out. You see what I'm saying? And, and I said to him, you know what? I said, I said, my wife is okay. You know, God has a purpose for you. God wants to reach out to you. You understand? And I can see he, he, he wasn't receiving because he was deeply depressed. And so when I went upstairs, I wrote a letter and gave it to the nurse. I said, can you please, he's in this room, give, it, give him this letter. And in the letter, I said to him, look, we forgave you. We forgave you. God forgives you. And, uh, well, the kid wasn't listening. He was dismissed, went home, and blew his head off. You see. And so he was on a suicidal mission, and we, were, and we were the people. And so my wife, when she came out of the coma, they, the doctor said, look, because I was upstairs, plastic surgery, internal bleeding, so I wasn't able to talk to anybody. I had, you know what I'm saying? And so when they came, they told her that um, they were thinking, you know, they were, in their minds they are going to send her to a permanent place. Because she was crippled from certain, she couldn't, you know, move her limbs and stuff like that. And not only that, she wasn't, she wasn't, you know, she was uh, in, in another world. They'd had to strap her up in a, in a straitjacket because she started to bite people, bite the doctors, bite anybody that came around. You can see mashed potatoes on the ceiling, uh, you know, stuff like that, throwing the throwing the uh, the food out there. And so she she she's lost her mind completely. And so, 
uh, uh, they determined that, um, uh, you know, one of these permanent places, and not only that, uh, they, 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 they spoke to us about abortion. She was pregnant. And so they, they didn't realize that because I didn't tell them. I was, I was in another place, another floor. And so they said, we have to, you know, you have to abort because uh, the x-rays that we took, when you expire, oxygen didn't come to the fetus. They call, it the, they call the baby the fetus. And they said uh, uh, the possibilities of brain damage. Uh, and they, they just gave us a whole list of, of what the, how the baby was going to come about. And so I, you know, I was struggling with this thing. And so they released me first. I went home. And I don't know, you know how the devil works it. I, somebody gave me a book about, you know, children, the handicapped children, the way they came out. And, and the devil whispered to me and said, that's the way, if you go ahead and have this baby, that's the way he's going to come. And then I was in the church one day, and we saw a little uh, child that was handicapped. And the devil says, that's the way, that's the way he's going to come out. And so we began to pray. And, uh, and the nurses were saying, you got to, you know, Christian nurses, well, you got to listen to what the medical people are saying. I mean, you know, we know that, you know, the scientific world, and you have, to, you have to abort the baby. And there's one thing that, that really encourages me about women. They love the baby while the baby's in the womb. Us guys, we love the baby when he comes out. And if they tell me, uh, you know, what do you prefer, to lose the baby or lose your wife? And, you know, we're going to go with the baby. Get, you know, but not the wife. If a woman has a baby and they say, look, we might have to you, you lose your life or the baby's life, the, the, the mother would say, I'd rather die. You see, that's the difference between us guys and, 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 and you ladies. You ladies are special in my eyes. And so I told my wife, I said, look, this is what I'm going to do. She started beginning to, to rationalize after being there several months, about three months. And uh, they couldn't believe that she started coming out of it. I said, look, I'm going home, and I'm going to fast for seven days straight. And I won't come to see you. I'll call you. And I'm going to go before the Lord. And I'm going to ask God to heal you and, and to give us a word. He gave us a word. And I came back. And meanwhile, the nurses was telling her, you see, this fellow here, your husband, you know, he's home. He don't even come and visit you. You know what I'm saying? You know how the devil works. He doesn't even, she says, no, he's home fasting. Fasting? They don't, they don't understand that stuff. Fasting? What do you mean fasting? Well, you know, he's home seeking the Lord. What? You know, you got to do this. You got to get rid of this thing, you see. And when I got back, I said to her, this is what does say of the Lord. You see. Now her family is saying, this guy that you marry is a narrow-minded fanatic. He's one of those fanatical Christians. We're going to take this thing to court. Now they want to interfere with us, the family, her family. And so we went, we, we went, we, we said, no, we're going we're gonna to do this. And the doctors kept coming to her. They came, all the specialists, they, they kept coming. They kept coming. You have to abort. You have to abort. This baby, this is the way he's going to come out. We, these are the experts. You have to abort. You can't. You can't, you can't, not only that, they said, your life is in danger if you have this baby. You're already messed up, you see, physically and everything. And we, we eventually, my wife was dismissed about, about close to three months. And uh, she still had problems. She needed physical therapy. 
and uh, and still, you know, she was she still was recovering, and uh, one of the arms was was paralyzed, and she came to a church just like this, and the worship was awesome, and as she everybody was raising their hands, she raised the left arm that was paralyzed, and God healed it right there and there. You see, God did it, God did it, and uh, and then seven months later, we had Enrique. Enrique was normal. She sent pictures to the doctors and everything. <laughs> Not only that, Enrique became a military guy. Security forces in, in Iraq. He's a hero. God wants to perform miracles. But the thing about it is that the enemy comes in with logic and reasoning, and he tries to hinder you from moving on and believing God, you see. So to make a long story short, uh, we got a lot of money because over this lawsuit we had. And so when the checks came in, I was, uh, we, were, we went to church. We was going to a church called Calvary under Pastor Crandall, ICC they call it now. And we were, we were associates there, and uh, I got ordained on the Pastor Crandall, Benjamin Crandall. If you probably saw him there in Staten Island or over there at Times Square, he was there with David Wilkinson and them. And, um, and so we got this amount of money, and at that time I was unemployed. I was, I was a volunteer of Anchor House. I was working as a volunteer, and I was getting an unemployment check. And we were in a service and I started to cry. And my wife said, what's going on with this guy? You know, and I'm crying. I'm, I'm kind of the, the weeping prophet. I cry a lot. I do a lot of crying. If you want to live long and healthy, I'm going to give you the remedy now, and it's not going to cost you anything. You all right? Cry a lot. Sing a lot. Pray a lot. So you pray. You cry. You sing. You know, the Bible says that when you sing, God sings right back to you songs of deliverance. Can you imagine that? He sings back to us. That's why worship is so important, you see. When you worship God, you can march around the wall seven times, and it's, uh, uh, well, seven times plus seven, God is going to perform miracles. And so... I'm crying. My wife says, what's going on with you? And we were in the, the church was in the middle of a building project. We were, we were, we were in a small place, and they wanted to, no, no, we were in a regular place, but they wanted to build an additional building that would hold 10,000 people. And I was there, and the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to take those two checks, the one for your wife and the one for you, and I want you to sign them off to the church, the entirety. And I said, but God, I don't have a coat. It's in October. The baby doesn't have clothes. Uh, um, you know, uh, we're, we're doing pretty bad here. And the Lord said to me, I want you to give the entirety, both checks, to the church. And here I had plans. I was going to buy furniture, possibly buy a, a house, cash, just like that, buy a house, you know? And don't have no mortgage or anything. God spoke to my heart. And I began to cry. And my wife looked at me and says, do what God tells you to do. Amen. I signed off the check and I went and brought him over. 
and gave it to the church. I've asked God, why did you cause me to do this, to living under the conditions that we were living in the slums? We were in an apartment that had rats and roaches and no hot water at times. And, and why did you, you know, because you're about blessing us. Why? Because God knows the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sees yesterday, he sees today, and he sees tomorrow all at once. And so I was hired in Anchor House as a counselor. And then from a counselor to the director. And then from the director to the executive director, God wanted me to trust him because I was going to deal with men and women that came from backgrounds of abuse and trauma and addiction and prostitution and guys would come in and they would share with me that they just killed somebody, threw their bodies out there in the rockaways and, and I was going to deal with a population that needed the power of God to change their lives. This like uh, gospel wasn't going to do it. And so God wanted me to operate by faith, to trust him. I trusted him for what he did, you know, with my wife. I trusted him with, my, with the monies that I gave him. And now God revealed to me that this is what he wanted me to do, to, to trust him and to walk by faith, to walk in the supernatural so things can happen. If you see the fruits if I were invited, I could invite a couple of guys from here. Got Jerry Roja out here that is deputy director of a, of, of a program. And, and uh, Hiron Irizarry was living out here, Dr. Hiron Irizarry, who came to us from prison, now has a doctorate degree, and now he's a federal prison chaplain out there in Florida. You see what I'm saying? Administrative chaplain to head. And I can tell you about the lawyers and, and all these people. That, I mean, God was changing and transforming people's lives. And then he spoke to me and he said, and you know why I also asked you to give them money? Because of the women's program. We were opening a women's program. You see, now we were dealing with a different situation. We're dealing with women that, that have family. So you, you touch a woman, you touch her children. You're talking about something even bigger than, 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 than we realize. And so we bought buildings. We renovated buildings. We got millions of dollars from the government. One building now costs over 20, 30 million. The other one costs about 15 million dollars. And we got these buildings and, and, and this lady next door uh, to Anchor House. We had a little place called Anchor House. She had this brownstone that were, was worth millions. And, 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 and when she died, she said to, she outlived her children. She had her grandchildren. And she says, if you're going to sell it, I want you to sell it for such and such to this place next door. $130,000 for a multi-million dollar building. And then we bought the building and we built and then we bought the next one next door and we built and the ladies, they live like, like I mean, uh, state of art. Beautiful building. And, and so the ladies began to change. Rita, who lived out here somewhere, prostitute, three felonies, is, is completing her doctorate degree here in Stanford University. 
You know what I'm saying? Pastors and, 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 and Luis Vargas, who, uh, we know Luis Vargas, who, who pastors a church there in Freeport and who has churches from all over the world, has planted churches. Everywhere in the world, Africa, Haiti, South America, Dominican Republic, everywhere. And I can stay here and talk to you until tomorrow about fruits that, that, that were produced because of the seeds that I sow. You see, God had a greater plan than a couple of dollars. He had a greater plan than that. And then we got a house and it's already paid for. You know how we, we gave the down payment? A lot of these guys that I mentioned got money. They came to me and said, here's the down payment. Buy the house. You see what I'm saying? I mean... I don't know about you, I'm getting this chill from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God began to put things together. My wife is in good condition. She went to school, got her, her a teaching degree. We, we, I went to school, you know, got postgraduate, honorary doctorate, who's who. And you know, hey, God does that. The favor of the Lord. Sometimes we hold on to things, and God, like the pastor said earlier, plant it, and then you're going to get something, and out of that, there's more seeds that God will give you to plant elsewhere. And that's what happened. I was in an anchor house for 35 years. I saw, man, it was a pleasure to go there. I did a lot of paperwork at home. Never did paperwork there. Because I, I was moving from place to place, from the men's ministry to the women's ministry. We had them a distance away. We couldn't have them together, <laughs> you know, because, hey, I, I'll be honest with you. If you have an addiction problem, I know God can heal you. And I, will, I know God can change you. But I would, I would expect you to get somebody that didn't have that kind of background if you're going to marry them. You follow what I'm saying? So I told the girls, don't marry those guys. I told the guys, don't marry those girls because there's a process of healing, you see. And, 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 and I marry a woman that doesn't have any drug problems, you see, that has certain values and certain standards, and she's gone through certain experience in life. I've been out on the streets all my life, placed in a shelter, children's shelter, was involved in, 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 in a lot of violent crime when I was a drug addict. I had to run into a program called Teen Challenge because the police wanted, they were looking for me because they wanted to question me on a number of attempted murder charges. And so I ran in there to Teen Challenge because I thought this would be a way of cooling out. You know what I'm saying? You do something on the subway train, you know they're coming after you. You disrupt the whole subway train. And you, you create a, a havoc. They're going to come after you. They're going to come after you. And I knew that, that if I got arrested, I was going to do at least 30, 40 years in prison. You see what I'm saying? And so I went in the program. And I figured I'll cool out and I'll shoot right back to the streets. I got a couple of Hispanic girls out there. And I, I'm not going to be here with a bunch of guys here. I'm going to go back out there. You see what I'm saying? And what happened was God touched my life. 40 years ago. I've never been the same. I've never been the same. Just recently, I'll say recently. When you hear me say recently, it means probably one or two years ago. Recently, I taught a group of judges Bible studies. 
a friend of mine's works in the Supreme Court there in Brooklyn. And he says, I would like you to teach these judges. We have a Bible study. And I said, you sure? He said, yeah. So I told the judges, I said, you know, uh, I'm familiar with this place. And they said, <laughs> they said, what do you mean? <laughs> Are you a lawyer too? I said, I could tell you the design of this place. You see, across the street is Brooklyn, Bro Brooklyn House of Detention. They have, they have a tunnel where they shackle you up, right? And they take you through that tunnel right into the criminal courts, right? Those of you that know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I remember being shackled because I got busted for a few things, selling drugs to an undercover agent and stuff like that. And so they'll take you right upstairs to this gate, I mean, to this uh, pen, they call it, and then you see the judge. And when I told the judge that, you know what she thought? This guy's an escaped prisoner. He's <laughs> teaching us Bible stuff. <laughs> and, and my friend who's a lawyer who's there, what do you call the clerk? He's a lawyer, but he's that, that clerk. And, he said, and, and, and he's like that um, uh, court clerk. And he, and, uh, how do you call Court attorney. And he told them, this is Dr. Henry Lopez. He's a pastor. He's a minister. And before I, I share with them, and I end up praying for them. Once one, one, one person there said that her daughter was running wild. And I started laying hands on them, praying for them. Who can imagine this? Somebody like me, that God would raise from the dunghill and put them up there with people of that caliber. Only God can do that, you know. But I want to share briefly. I'm, I'm serious about this. I was sitting not so long ago in front of this preacher, and she said briefly, or, or in conclusion, rather, 13 times. I counted the pastor. I said, man, <laughs> she's going to keep us here all night. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to deal with this. I mean, if you say conclusion, please, I mean, close it up. <laughs> don't keep me in, in anticipation, you know. I'm ready to go, you know. I mean, because I don't want to stay. Listen, I preached a few months back. I preached in the church in New Jersey, and uh, I couldn't believe it. The service was four and a half hours, right? They got two services. So the other people from the second service were coming in, so she, you know, so we did four and a half hours, and then we, she says, we're going to break uh, to eat. So she had the worship leader there, and so we, we, we ate, and, uh, and I, was, I was leaving, and she said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going home. And she said, we're going on the second now. I said, really? I thought we did double there, double time. She said, no, we, we got the second. I was there for six and a half hours. Man. I couldn't believe that. Then I went to a Caribbean church where they got the metal drums. I was there for five and a half hours. Wow, I couldn't believe it. They kept banging on the drums and, and everybody was dancing. You know how they dance. <laughs> I've been all over the place. But you know, it is an honor. God spoke to me this morning and said to me, did you know that your calling is higher pastor's calling, our calling is higher than the president of the United States. Because we, we represent him, the king of kings and the lord of lords. 
higher. And that's why we want to do, you know, I have a burden for this church because of your pastor and because of you. Uh, as, as I sat there, I almost broke down and started to weep because I, I'm glad I'm here. I'm not going to let any devil stop me from coming here. You know, I'm not. I'm not. So do that. Do that whenever you get a chance. If you, before you go to bed, lay hands on your body, kidneys, just name them. And say, Lord, I'm believing you from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. Every area, every part of my body, I'm going to, you know, they told me I was going to lose my sight here, my left eye, you know. And I got 20, you know, I just use this to read. You understand what I'm saying? God, let me just say this. You've got to believe God in these last days. God showed me, by sh sh two angels showed up at home one day. And I told my wife, I said, listen, there's two angels I just spoke to for about 40 seconds. Do you want to come up and see them? And she said, not me. I'm not going up. <laughs> and I said, why? She said, because of look at you. Your, 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 your head looks like a light bulb. You look like Moses. <laughs> you know, the angels told me in, in 30, 40 seconds, you don't hear them. They kind of like talk to you. They fill you in with all kinds of stuff. That in these last days, they're going to show up in churches. You're going to see them. There's going to be signs and wonders. I was sharing this with, with Pastor McPhail's church last week, and everybody, people got healed all over the place. You know, because the angels are going to show up. And you know what draws angels to the churches? This is what they told me. The greater the intensity of praise and worship, the more. They like you. They come up. They come to a church when you hear, oh, that that church is going to have so-and-so. And you all pile up on lying and you go into this stadium. And that's how they are. Because they're wondering. They say, we can praise the Lord. It's easy for us. But how in the world do those people praise God? See, they're curious. Because we're down here, and we're, we're battling, and we're under struggles here, you see. There's all kinds of stuff that we're going through. And we, we, you know, the reason we can make it through is because of the Holy Spirit in us, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, God in us, you see. But I just want to share very briefly. I don't have 20 pages or anything like that. I just need to share this with you. If you turn with me quickly to Psalm 73. It's a real quick thing. I just want to share this because I, 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 felt, I felt from the Holy Spirit to share it with you. If you can indulge me just for a few more minutes. Uh, in Psalm 73. Oh, I thought you were going to put it up there because you, you, have, you, you have the technology that is awesome here. Announcement. I thought I was in the movie theater for a minute, you know, that they <laughs> tell you to shut down the, the <laughs> your phone and everything. I said, Wow. This is, this is technology at its best. You know, we, guys my age, you know, it's difficult. I'm on Facebook, but I haven't even gotten into it for two years. And I got into it the other day, and, 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 and I, my wife is in it. And I thought, you know, I, I really, I like it, and I don't like it because people get political, and some people get filthy. And, and I thought, you know what? I, I, you know, it's good if you have a church, like, you announce me on Facebook. We pick that up. Yeah, something like that to announce to, you know, and not only that, you're touching other people. But me, I mean, I, I, I don't see why. But look at this. I'm going to read a few verses here, Psalm 73, starting from verse 1. It says, 
this is what the psalmist says. He says, God is indeed good to Israel. That's a fact. To the pure in heart. Now, his name is Asaph. And this is, this is a real comment. Yeah, God is good to those of a pure heart. When you talk about heart, you're not talking about the organ. You're talking about your emotions. You follow what I'm saying? You're talking about the inner person. You see, because, I mean, your heart is, is an organ. When God says heart, he's talking about your inner self. You see what I'm saying? And, and, so, and, and so when you read the Bible, in, let's say, for example, in chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse 23, it says, Above all else, God your heart. For everything you do flows from it. In other words, protect your heart. Because out of your heart, your, out of your mouth, the, it says, out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. You see what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and the Bible in, encourages us that we should circumcise our hearts. In other words, cut out those things that are not holy. Permit the Holy Spirit to remove it from you. You know what? I, 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 I've worked with people for 35 years. And one thing that I found out, and it, and it includes the church, you may say, well, those people, they were on drugs and stuff. But if you're, if you're living in this earth, you've been traumatized or you've gone through something in life. You see, I remember a young guy from Anchor House, great-looking guy, tall, Hispanic, and, and I had to talk with him, and I said, how you doing? Tell me about yourself, you know. But you have to gain that confidence. You just can't, can't come in like that. But you have to develop relationship. Relationship is the key thing. You follow what I'm saying? And he shared, and, 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 and he says, I'm homosexual. And I said, what? I said, man, you, you're a tremendous-looking guy. You know, with, I mean, there's a shortage of us guys out here. The women are the majority, and you got to turn to this stuff. <laughs> you know what? I mean, you know, that's crazy. But, but I, I love, you know, you have to love people, no matter what they go through, where they come from, what, uh, you know, uh, sexual uh, uh, preference or whatever. And, and I said, but why did you enter this type of lifestyle? He says, my father was raping me when I was a child. And I said, really? Wow. He says, so I went over to my uncle to tell him about it. And it winds up the uncle started raping him. And then he went to the preacher to tell the preacher about it. And the preacher ends up, you know, abusing him sexually. And so this guy had real trauma. And I find out that how we can help people with trauma, not by sending them to some psych who's going to fill them up with pills and addict them to some chemical or some psychologist that will say to you, well, it's okay that you be homosexual. I am one, you know, and you don't want that stuff. I mean, we're living in some heavy times here. People, people have dropped all the standards and everything. We're, we're living in, in, in a place that morally, is, morally we've been deteriorating. And so what I tell the people is this. I was doing it with my church the other day. I said to them, look, there's everybody here has gone through something. There's, a, there's an inner problem that we've gone through, trauma. And sometimes we react to certain things because we're dealing with certain things that we haven't really not dealt with. And sometimes we, we keep it down there. 
you see. But what, if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're seeking God, God is going to surface up issues in your life. The way because you've gotten all these divorces, because you're angry, because you react this way, and because you feel this way, because you're depressed, and you go through all these struggles in life, is because there's been something that has happened to you that has caused trauma in your life. And, and somehow you, 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 you camouflage it now. You leave it there. And, and, and then it follows you through your marriage life, through your Christian life, through your relational life, and, and it comes out. And sometimes you go, you go through depression. You know why I'm getting depressed. I don't know why I'm angry. You understand what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do, he wants to bring those things out so he can heal them. God wants to show you that he has the power to heal. And the thing about it is that God can walk into your past. There's no man that can do that. They can discuss it with you, and they can medicate you, but God can walk into your past. And if you allow him because you trust him, he will heal those things. Hey, listen, I, my father used to abuse me physically, you know, with the, with the whips and stuff like that. And one of my goals in life was to take him out. I did attempt it to do that, by the way, but my mother tr stopped me, you see, when I was out there. But when I got saved... I began to fast and pray. I fasted for one entire year. You may say, what do you mean, a year and you're still alive? No, I mean three times, a, three times a week, four times a week for an entire year, nonstop. And there was a lot of stuff in me. I had a lot of hatred. I had a lot of unforgiveness because of my, how my father treated me. Among our brothers, he treated me the worst. And, uh, and my mother stopped me from killing him. Just cut him a little. But she stopped me. She stopped me from killing him. I wanted to take him out. When I got saved, one of my major problems was that one. The way he treated me. The way he made me feel. I felt so, I felt unwanted. I couldn't even go to school. I had no schooling. I, if I was in school, I, I, I wasn't really learning when I was a kid. And like I said, I was placed in a, in, in a, in a children's shelter eventually when my mother couldn't take care of us, you see, because she got ill. And so God began to show me that that was the major problem that I had in my life. That's why I was angry. That's why I was violent. You follow what I'm saying? Because that came out. And when God healed me, the first thing I did when I came out the ministry of Team Challenge, I looked, I went for my father. And I help him, and I minister to him. In fact, when he died a few years ago, I gave him permission to die. He was dying, and I said, listen, Pop, you've seen me, how I loved you, how I care about you. You know what I represent the Lord. Uh, it's time for you to leave. I'm giving you permission in Jesus' name. And tears came down his eyes, and he died two days later. Because he, he read my life. He read the Bible from my life, the forgiveness. And sometimes we got to forgive ourselves, forgive others. There's stuff in us. And God wants to heal you. He wants to prepare you. He wants to structure your walk with him. He wants, he wants to do great things. God loves us. And, you know, I was praying one day for a group of people, and, this, uh, and, and they were coming up. And this particular lady came, and the pastor was talking about virtue. And I just kept praying for her, and I kept feeling wasted, man, because I felt like I was going nowhere. 
And I looked at her and I said, Sister, do you have unforgiveness in your heart? She said, Me? I get along with everybody. I said, Really? Okay. Push aside. I got all these other people I got to pray for. After the service, the ladies that were there, they said, we heard you. Her? You should see this lady is really, I mean, we, we don't even want to deal with her. You see what I'm saying? We need to kind of confess and open up. You know, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. You see? Or go in the closet and spend time with the Lord. And God is going to show you. Because God's purpose is to establish your walk. To, to develop you, to become a healing vessel. So when people come to this church, you will be there to, 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 to love them, to embrace them, because you understand the love of God personally. You see, because he set you free. But anyhow, here's the psalmist. And I'm just going to, I'm not kidding. When you get the chance, read it. Look, the psalmist, because I'm going off on things, and, you, and the reason I'm doing this is because the Holy Spirit leads me this way. You follow what I'm saying? And, uh, but I'm coming back in March. The pastor told me I'm coming back. (laughs) But look what he says just in verse 2. Now, this brother here, he says that God is good to Israel. And he spoke, speaks about that, that, uh, uh, to the pure of heart. But as for me, look at this. He says in verse 2, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. So, I mean, theologically, he comes in, he starts out good, and then if you continue to read all the way to verse 17, you find that this brother here is depressed, he's complaining, he looks at the world and, 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 and in a negative way, he thinks the world is being blessed while he's being stagnated, and, and he just starts to complain to the Lord. You know, here he gives a great statement, and then <laughs> verse 2, he exposes himself. And you know something? Somebody said, someone said, if you look at the world, you will be stressed. If you look at yourself, you will be depressed. But if you look at the Lord, you will be blessed. You see, and that's, 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 that's the remedy. That's the cure. That's the prescription, you see. So you read on about all his complaints. And, uh, and then finally, finally, the psalmist begins, again, as I said, he, be, he, he, he sees all this negative. He, he gets disappointed. He wrestles with feelings of distrust. He's depressed. He begins to adopt the poor me attitude. He laments that the wicked are prospering while I am miserable and in this, conti- in this condition. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that in these days that we live in, uh, these days of instability, these days of uncertainty, these days of turmoil, these days of difficulties, these days of adversities, these days of disaster and economic challenges can cause us to doubt and to question God. You see, but Asaph in verse 17 says that the psalmist now, however, he enter into the very presence of God Almighty and begins to get a new perspective in life. He goes into the sanctuary of God. Our hope is a relationship with the Lord. If we're not going into that sanctuary and, and seeking the Lord, if we are not doing that, the world is going to overcome us. 
You live in a day that I've never seen. We live in a day that the media, you know, the prince of the air is Satan. And the media is bombarding you, conditioning you, contaminating you, polluting you with all kinds of stuff. And so you can get negative during this time. You can see things in a negative way. And then you can start talking about oh, whoever is president there. Hey, listen, I, 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 I'm seeking the Lord. He's my president. You see what I'm saying? Whoever's there, it doesn't matter to me. I, I, got, I got to keep coming to the sanctuary. Yes, I vote, but I got to keep coming to the sanctuary. He, he's, he's the one that's going to bring healing. He's the one that's going to prosper us. If we walk righteously, if we walk right, the Lord would not withhold any good things from us. You see? And, 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 and so Asaph, now he begins to change. The same thing with Isaiah. If you remember when Isaiah, as a young prophet, begins his ministry with bad news. Even Jesus. The Bible says that God took him out to the desert. He led him out to the desert and he battled the devil. And the, he battled the devil on the terms that we're battling him. And he overcame. You see, God gave him a crash course in trials and tribulations. Forty days he didn't eat, and then he faced the devil. And here's Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a young prophet. He begins his ministry with bad news. It says that King Uzziah dies. King Uzziah was the king for, for 40, he reigned for 52 years. And, and Judah at that time was prospering materially and militarily. And now the enemy of Judah is coming to invade. And, 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 the, and the Babylonians are in the horizon. And God ushered Isaiah into his very throne room, giving him a glimpse behind the curtains of glory. Hallelujah. When you're in the presence of God, your whole perspective, your whole attitude changes. You begin to view things differently. Hallelujah. No matter what's going around you, you know that God is with you. Who, hallelujah, who can come against you? Praise the Lord. It's the sanctuary. Come into the sanctuary and get a new perspective. Get new vision, new revelation of the Lord. And you'll be able to battle the elements out there. There's no devil that can come against you when you're seeking God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, 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 and so God... Begins to send. You know what really touches me about this, this verse, this, this, uh, Isaiah chapter 6? That God says, shows him, it says that the robe shows him. You know, it, it, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me read it, it just, just to show you. I, I, I wonder about this. You know, sometimes you wonder what, what is he saying. You know, God tells, uh, it says that, 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 that he begins to get a revelation of angels. And then it says, and his robe filled the temple. Now, what? It says that God's robe filled the temple. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I had to look into it. Well, what he's telling Isaiah, Isaiah, I am the conquering king. Listen, in those days, history would tell us that in those days, if you was a king of a nation and you b battled this other nation and you beat this king and you, and, and you won the war, what you would do in those days, you take his robe, that, uh, the king that you just defeated, 
and you, and you attach it to yours. Then you go against this king and you, and you win this fight and you take this king's robe and you attach it to yours and you keep attaching robes. So what God is showing Isaiah, I am the conquering king. No matter what happens, I am with thee. The angels are worshiping me. Hallelujah. Look at the power. I still sit on the throne. Praise the Lord. You know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to conclude, as you can see. You know, it's like Moses, Numbers chapter 13, when Moses sends out the 12, 12 spies to explore the land, right? They, the land was allotted to Israel, right? Canaan land. God gave it to them. I think the pastor mentioned that today. When he was mentioning all that, I said, wow, how did he know what I'm going to speak about? It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and dwells in Boparad. <laughs> and so here he is. He sent 12, 12, uh, 12 spies. For 40 days, they check out the, the land, right? They came back. There's a lot of fruits there. There's a lot of great things there. Ten of them said, look, we can't go in there. There's giants in there. There's big, tall walls. These giants are big. But you know, Joshua and Caleb, if you, if you look at the word giant, you take out the G-I out of it. And then you have ants. And so Caleb and Joshua said, there's some ants in there. We can't take them. Because it says, the Bible says that Caleb fully, fully sought the Lord. In other words, there was no compromise here. He spent time in the sanctuary. He, God gave Caleb a new perspective in life, new revelation. Hallelujah. We can't take those boys. There's no big thing about them. You know, you're more than conquerors, the Bible says. You see, you're more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. And so when you hear about the robe, you hear that gee, that God is saying to Isaiah, no matter what the problem is, keep your eyes on me. Come into the sanctuary. Get into God's word. You have to nowadays. They're polluting you, man. I, I don't even want to watch the news anymore. They're so negative. I used to be a news buff. I watched the news all day. My wife said, that's all you watch? Of course, Christian programs, but you know what I'm saying? And then some Christian programs, I, I, I kind of say, I, I, I kind of change it. You know what? You got some guy there, and he's not in line with the word. He's talking about this is the richest country in the world. All he's talking about is materialism. You follow what I'm saying? We're not stopping. We're the 2% in the world. 98% of the world can't compare to us. You understand? We got the riches. The stuff that we throw away can feed a nation. But listen to this. Suicide is high here. We consume two-thirds of the drugs in the world. The entire world doesn't smoke the way we do, doesn't drink, doesn't shoot dope or take pills. We're, we're, we're number one. How come? We got all this money, and now they have a word that came out about 10 years ago. It's called bipolar. Somebody in church told me, oh, I'm bipolar. I said, what? What, what are you? <laughs> You're bipolar. Sometimes I say, and I'm educated, I say, what do you mean by that? They're going to come up with a new name, by the way, for young people. When young people rebel, they do that naturally. Now they're going to they're give them a pill. You know, in Staten Island, I live in Staten Island. 
It's predominantly white Americans, right? It's the, it's the riches, it's the riches uh, uh, borough of all the others. Did you know that? And the Hispanics in, 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 in Staten Island are the highest uh, salary people. They're the highest level as far as salaries and jobs. Did you know that? I study all that in Staten Island. But yet, the mothers, those mothers that were out working and the fathers and the kids were active and full of life, they gave them this thing called Dwitherland or something like that. I don't know if I Ritalin. And so now they grow up to be junkies. They're jumping off the bridge. They live in homes that are worth millions of dollars. The kids are committing suicide. They arrested two doctors. They're, those are the, 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 the modern drug dealers now. You see what I'm saying? Why do we buy into the language of the world? Why are we doing that? I see the past, how he pulls out his heart. He's a man of wisdom. Uh, I, I, I think I, I like him to Solomon. He, he says things that I say, whoa, my, this is awesome what he's saying. That's why I told you I was kind of a little intimate, intimidated when he was my student because I, I knew I had somebody there <laughs> that was awesome, you know. I, I better go home and read and make sure I got my stuff together. <laughs> he challenged me. Not that he came out and said, hey, no, you, you're wrong. It's just the papers he wrote, so eloquent and so ins insightful. You understand? It, he wasn't sitting there saying, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, wait a minute, Henry. You're not saying, this is not right what you're saying. No, he didn't do that. Very respectful man of God. Very man, he's a, he's a special man of God. I love coming here because of him and you. Hallelujah. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, listen, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say this. There's a friend of mine that has cancer, that's dealing with cancer. I hate to own these things, that, that, that deals with cancer. He lives in Florida. So he has to take this cancer treatment, and he goes to this place called the Hope Center. In other words, if you live in another state, here in Manhattan, you got the best doctor. So they have a place for them to live there until their treatment is over, right? And so they have a whole group of people there. But this guy, this friend of mine, he, he dwells a lot in the sanctuary of God. So he comes out of his room, and he, all these people are there, and he's singing a song, and, and he's praising the Lord, and, and the people, they did a petition. They want this guy out of here. We want to stay in our depression and our misery. And this guy here is spoiling. He's messing us up here. We're singing around and talking about Jesus. <laughs> they didn't want to hear that. So they, they got a petition going. We want him out of here. We want to stay in the condition that we're in. Because they haven't been in the sanctuary. The sanctuary is when you begin to see things differently. 